Good morning. Hey, everybody's still coming to get seated, but I'm up here now because it's time. Welcome to Richview Baptist Church. My name is John Christopher. If this is your first time here, a very special welcome to you. Glad to have you here. Please make yourself comfortable and, and enjoy the service this morning. We're going to be here for about 70 minutes. And this morning, we have Arson, John, Peter, and Jason, collectively known as the band Chosen, who are here to do our to play our music this morning and help us worship our Lord together. These guys are great. I heard them practicing this morning. You won't believe how good they are. It's a blessing from the Lord to have four young men who are so gifted in music and talented and to have them up here and to lead us in worship. This is great. So please stay and enjoy Chosen and uh, greet them afterwards because uh, they're fine young men. Glad to have them here. Uh, Pastor Joe will be teaching us this morning, later in, in the service, and so you can use your insert in the bulletin to follow along and, and make notes. And of course, if you want to know what's going on here, you got to have one of these. So make sure you get one from an usher. If you don't have one, put your hand up and keep track of what's happening here at Richview because there's a lot going on and you need a scorecard to know what's happening. Following the service, we like to have the sanctuary as a place of quiet reflection. So if you would like to pray or just sit down quietly and reflect on what's been taught this morning, please stay inside. Otherwise, you're invited to go out into the foyer, grab a coffee or a tea or a water, and get caught up with all of your Richview friends, because that's what we are all about here is relationships. And a relationship happens much better when there's coffee, tea, and water to help along. So we love to, we love to catch up with everybody, but let's keep this nice and quiet after the service. So we're glad you're all here. Enjoy the service this morning. Enjoy the music. Take home with you the words that Pastor Joe has for us that God has laid on his heart and that you can apply them to your life this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all the Operation Christmas Child boxes that are here this morning, Lord. Some child somewhere in the world is going to get one of these boxes. And it's going to be such a blessing to that child. We just thank you, Lord, for the people who have packed the boxes, who went out and chose things to put in the boxes with a child in mind in another country. Thank you so much, Lord, that we can do this and bring joy and happiness to a child who might not otherwise be in a joyful and happy place. Thank you so much, Lord, for what we have and what we can give. And thank you that it was you who enables us to do this. 
Bless the service this morning, Lord. Thank you for Pastor Joe, and thank you for the words you have put on his heart for us. Have, give us all an attentive time this morning that we would be obedient to your word. See us all safely home afterwards. In your name we pray. Amen. morning. Let's all stand and worship our God.
Cause I am a child 
have a seat. But you can prefer to stand. If you prefer to stand, please stand up too. That's fine. Uh, well, I want to invite the ushers forward. One thing we do here is we give, and we give because of God's given us everything, so we give a portion back. If you're new here, we just think, uh, there's no pressure on you to give. But why we give also is because we believe God wants to use people and God's all about this vision for this neighborhood. And one of the ways we do is we need to resource that with a portion of what he's given to us. And I want to show you just in a moment on the screen, uh, just one of the things where we put some of our resources through, and that's one of our upcoming uh, teaching series. So just watch. Beauty, huh? Long-lasting, too. Yeah, I could really use this Silverado. I'm a big hunter. Oh, what do you hunt? Deer. Fish. You hunt fish. How's that work exactly? Just put a bunch of camouflage on and just look in the water, walk around the stream, the river. Saw a catfish the other day. Hunted them real good. Then I just write down what I hunted and log it in my hunting booklet. I'm part of the hunting fish organization, the a HFO. Uh, Haven't heard of that. Yeah, we're new. It's just me. I just said deer <laughs> for no reason, <laughs> but I meant fish. If you missed the beginning of that, or you're just feeling a little slow this morning, never talk about deer hunting in front of Santa. Just some wise advice. Uh, I, uh, I, um, I like to often to do interviews up here, as you know, and it's a wonderful uh, moment for me to victimize people. And I'm so excited today. One of my BFF is here. And uh, my best friend, when I was uh, from when I was a kid in high school, um, I don't see them too often anymore. But they're here today, and I was wondering if you'd be okay with me inviting them up and asking them a couple questions. Would that be okay? Right. Thank you for the affirmation. All right, BFF, come on up. All right. Now you're probably thinking, as you see my BFF, uh, Joe, uh, I, you can't be best friends with your sister. Well. In high school, in junior high school, you could not get a better uh, friend than this one. So if you're comfortable sitting there, if you're not, just, you want to get rid of the chair? Let's get rid of the chairs, yes, yes. I, some people get really concerned because always, they always think I'm going to make someone fall off the edge and, uh, and, um, and fall. So, so uh, Pat, you're, you're from London. You've been in London for many years. 
I won't tell anyone any of our backstory, but that's fine. Um, but you've been going through a lot of changes in your church, and your church got a new pastor about four years ago. That's right, right? Yeah, and where was he from? We should probably give you a mic here. That might be really helpful. There we go. That's always something I forget. Can you hear me? Just kiss that thing. Put it right up here. There you okay. go. Yeah. Okay. So new, new pastor about four years ago, and where was he from? The States. Okay. American. American. They brought yes. an American up to Canada. Yes. Is that a good idea? Well, we had a great church. Okay. We had a great church. We had a brand new building, huge amounts of space. We lived in a community where there were hundreds and hundreds of new homes going in. But we were a really happy church. I knew everybody. We had all our usual customary groups. Very comfortable. And we were very welcoming. Anyone who wanted to come into our church, we greeted them warmly. So the church, by all appearances, seemed to be doing well. Yes. It was, felt like family. It felt did. comfortable. Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so then, this new guy comes along. Yes. And he had a mandate that he was going to reach our community with the gospel. How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> and he was going to take us out of our comfortable pew. Um, he started off by hiring a pastor of children's ministries, a phenomenal lady, and she was responsible for all of our children. Hired a youth pastor. Our youth department started to really grow. Hired a pastor of worship. He brought a whole different type of music. Did he wear unorthodox shoes? He did. He did. Okay. How and the clothing you? was yeah. not quite up to. No, no four-piece suits or no, anything like that. No, nothing okay. like that whatsoever. Yeah. No. So things began to change, and the pastor's objective was to reach out into this whole new community. We started a Chinese Mandarin church, we started a Spanish work, and we started a... Arabic. Arabic work. Mm. Every Sunday at 10.30, we have four different services going on. This huge building is packed to capacity. We've just finished putting in the second floor so the Arabic church could meet up there, as well as a lot of our youth. The growth has been phenomenal. So, so th and this is all exciting, were, were you happy <laughs> with the changes? No. Yeah. <laughs> Some were great. Seeing all the children in the children's ministry was wonderful. So you have all the three different language congregations happening. What about the English speaking? Because I know your Arabic isn't very good. No. Yeah. Well, in the English speaking, we had this worship pastor who changed everything. We didn't sing hymns anymore. We had no piano. We had no organ. And we had guitars that I really wanted to burn. Mm. <laughs> and Sunday after Sunday after You're safe, guys. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That was a tough one. A, a lot of our comfortable groups that we had uh, were no longer in effect, 
and other groups that were more of an outreach came into effect. Can you give me a, can you tell me about the one about women's ministry? Yes. We By the way, I'm not copying this, but just, just listen to this. It's very fascinating. We had a number of women's ministries. I was part of most of them. And uh, all we enjoyed, as you know, ladies, we enjoy getting together and doing things. And a lot of our women's ministries were done away with. And our pastor focused on men's ministries. Men's breakfast once a month, every month. Was bacon included in that? It was. Okay. It was. Right on. They and, know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And other men's ministries, men's Bible studies, a real emphasis on men and having speakers who dealt with issues that affected men. So when how is that fair? I didn't think it was, but I began to see what was happening. And our men were beginning to change and they were starting to take places of leadership which they should have had a long time ago. So I saw the great good that this did. How, I want to ask that question because I'll probably keep you up here all day, but what advice would you give people who change is very difficult? Well, let me just share one thing with you, Pastor Joe. Every Sunday, I watch the worship team lead our service in worship. And there are several young adults who serve as worship leaders. And I look at their faces and I realize they were the babies in the nursery that I cared for years ago. And every Sunday morning I want to shout out, thank you God that we have our young people in our church. Our children and our young people are growing up to take places of leadership within our church. Mm. And I would say we ha all have a choice. We can sit in our comfortable pew and enjoy all the things that we have but we live in a world today that is characterized by one word, change. And if we're going to reach our children and if we're going to reach our young people, we have to change our methodology in reaching them with the gospel. The gospel message hasn't changed, but our methodology has to change. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's a good BFF, eh? Yeah. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> All right. Let's get a... Uh, I'm moving up. I'm giving myself a promotion today. All right. Yeah. There we go. Why don't we pray, and then we will uh, we'll dive right in. Uh, thanks, God. Uh, thank you for stories of people being transformed and changed. We thank you for uh, West Park in London, Ontario, that's uh, reaching so many vast uh, language groups and for the, the teachability right across the breadth of generations there. Uh, thank you for what you're doing uh, there. Thank you for God, what you wanna do in this neighborhood too. Uh, may we be receptive to your words today 
And uh, thank you for this book. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this church. And uh, may we uh, take one more step closer to uh, uh, being like you today, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. All right. Um, we have uh, just reached the end of this commitment series. And this tree's going to drive me crazy. And we've been at it for 11 weeks. If you're new here today, and I've noticed a few new faces, you're at the very end of a pretty intense series. And you may feel a little bit today like, you know, that experience when you go over to your friend's house and their parents are having this pretty in intimate, intense conversation that you're overhearing, and it's kind of making you feel a little uncomfortable. It may feel like a little bit like that today because we're wrapping up this series on commitment. Uh, over the next following couple weeks, we're going to be focusing on Christmas. We're going to be going through the purpose of Christmas. Uh, going to be far, far more uh, great, great whole new series. Going to be a lot of fun. But today we're going to wrap up this series that we've been looking at. And this whole point of this series is for all of us to accelerate spiritual growth. What, what are things we can do to accelerate spiritual growth? So we looked at four commitments. If you're around for these last 11 weeks, we looked at a, a commitment to the church. We looked at a commitment to being on mission like Jesus was on mission. We looked at a commitment to uh, maturity, how to grow, how to read my Bible, how to pray. And today and last week, we're talking about commitment to ministry, commitment to serving. And we're right here at the end of this series. And believe it or not, if you didn't know this, God wants us to grow up. God wants us to grow up. He tells us in the scripture time and time again, I want you to grow physically, socially, emotionally. I really want you to grow spiritually. And we got this great model of maturity in this book we call our Bible named Jesus. It's this incredible, perfect example. And I don't know about you, I think about maturity a lot, especially in my role here. I think about spiritual maturity a lot, but I think about maturity a lot because I lack quite a lot of maturity. But, but one thing I've noticed is with church people, I meet a lot of church people who attend church their entire lives, yet they're still spiritually immature. It, it, they're still crankier than ever, more selfish than ever, critical, gossiper, self-righteous, and you can't even go and talk to them about it because they're not in community. They don't have any friends inside the church, and they're just too, got so, so many spiritual blinders, you can't even address it. So they're kind of stuck. And this writer named Paul writes this to the church in Colossus. He says this, never be satisfied my goal is that we would continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn, to teach everyone, in order to bring each one into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. So we're coming to the end of 2017, and I have one prayer, one dream for us here as a church, and it comes from 1 Thessalonians, and Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, because of the Lord Jesus, we ask and encourage you to excel in living a God-pleasing life even more than you already do. And that's my prayer for you for next year, is that every one of us would, would take the next step in our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey. And we're going to talk just today very practically about what are some of those tools will look like. Now, there's a couple things we need to address here first, because I think for a lot of us, especially if we've been in the church for a long time, we've learned some myths. So if you're following along the notes here, I want to show you some spiritual myths, and they'll come up on the screen here too. But here's one myth concerning spiritual growth. Growth is automatic. 
So a lot of people um, think, believe that, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, how does someone become a Christian? How does someone come to faith? And we talked about John 3, 16. They need to know, understand that God loves the world. God loves the world so much that he gave. He gave his one and only son. And his son came and Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And on that cross, he became a sacrifice for every one of us so that if we put our trust in him, if we believe in him, if we put our weight on him, all our junk, all our wrongs, all the things that are, that are keeping us from access to God, get put on him, and then we have access to God. We have a relationship with God. And, and that's just the brilliant good news, the brilliant gospel. But here's the thing. We think, okay, I've trusted my life to Christ. I put my weight in Christ. I believe in Christ. Now I should start automatically growing. And a lot of us think that. And the thing is, we start like, why isn't stuff happening? I have the Holy Spirit in me. I got Jesus in me. I should be. Growing is not automatic. Growing is a choice. It's a choice you make. And, and for a lot of us, you're like, you know what? My parents didn't bring me up in the faith. It's their fault. My, my youth worker was lousy. My grandparents were at the church. It was that lousy. You can blame people till the cows come home. But growth is not automatic. It's a choice, and it's a choice you make. It's a choice you make. Second one here. Here's another myth. Growth is instant. So I just talked about if, what it means, the good news is to, you know, receive Jesus, put your trust in Jesus. And, and then the thinking is, all of a sudden, now... I'm good to go. It's instantaneous. And I think for a lot of us, we realize becoming more and more like Jesus is very gradual. It's gradual. It's got uphills. It's got valleys, peaks, and it takes time. Here's the third myth. Growth happens by just attending church. And for some of you, it's like, yeah, if you have a good preacher, well, you're stuck with me. So, so it's not going to happen just like that. But just attending church isn't going to do it. Just like going to McDonald's isn't going to make you a Big Mac. It, it's going to come through developing habits. Developing habits. All of us here, we were born and we physically grew, right? By eating those kind of things. So we grew vertically to a certain point. And now for a lot of us, we're at the point where we're starting to grow horizontally. And we have to manage those habits, right? So if you want to grow, attending church, good thing but there's habits we need to develop in order to really catalyze that growth. Here's the fourth myth. Growth happens by yourself. Now, we live in this 21st century world where there's media all around. So we can go on the internet, and I can watch pretty much all incredible speakers around the world. I can hear great music. I can, there's Bible studies. There's videos. There's all kind of stuff. Why do I need to be in a community? Why do I need to be in a church community? Why, why do I need to show up? I'm getting everything great online because you can't grow without others. You can't do it. You need other people around. As messy as we are, smelly as we are, you need other people. Here's another one. Growth is demonstrated by how you behave on Sunday morning. Growth is demonstrated by how you behave, so how you act at church. So, on Sunday mornings, you know what? You may even behave yourself in the parking lot with how you park your car. You might really mind your P's and Q's while you're around here. 
and, and look, but bottom line, you're only here for 90 minutes, about those other 166 and a half hours when you're at home, when you're at school, when you're at the campus, when you're at work. How are you living there that those other vast majority of the week? And last one, I think I got one more here. No, I don't. All right, we'll get there in a second. But, I, but one other one is, um, another myth is, is measured by my beliefs. Another myth a lot of us believe is, you know what, if I don't smoke, if I don't drink, if I don't chew, if I don't go with girls that do, if I don't go to Burger King, I am a righteous, religious person, and I'm good to go. One thing I find about people who have those kind of standards is if you check your, their pockets, you'll find Burger King receipts. But, but at the same time, people who have those kind of standards, that kind of self-righteousness, it, it, legalism always leads to death. Legalism always leads to hypocrisy, and it's just a myth. So how do you know? How do you know if you're mature? How do you know if you're spiritually mature? Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7. He says, look at a tree. A good tree bears what kind of fruit? Good fruit, all right? And a bad tree bears what kind of fruit? So if it's a good tree, it's got good fruit. And someone changed out my apple for tomato, so thank you for that. Um, you will rue the day you did that to me, but that's fine. That's bad fruit. They wanted me to go there. Okay, that's fine. But God, God wants us to have good fruit, to give off good fruit. Good trees bear good fruit. So today, how do you know if you're mature? How do you know if you're mature? And a good way to look at it is, how are your actions? Right now, how are your thoughts? How are your relationships? Are they, are they good? How's your attitude today? How's your character? How's your behavior? If, you're to ask, if I were to ask someone else about you, what would they say about you? And those are good questions we need to constantly be asking ourselves is if we're mature or not. So what I'd like to do today is be really practical and give you the eight laws of spiritual growth, eight habits of spiritual growth. And here's the first one. First one's this. Spiritual growth is intentional. Spiritual growth is intentional. And the Number one way to catalyze spiritual growth is you got to make commitments. You got to choose to grow. Is, if there's anyone here today who's like, you know what, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel close to God today. That's your choice because God hasn't moved. You're as close to God as you choose to be. Don't, don't blame anyone else. Don't blame me. Don't blame the church. Don't blame your partner, your family. You're as close to God as you choose to be. There's fascinating, if you ever study the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he, he calls these disciples to him. And some of them are fishermen. He's like walking along the shore, and he says to those fishermen, come and follow me. And, and they like pack up, they grab all their stuff, they leave their poor dads on their boats by themselves, family business is going to go to pot, but they take off with Jesus. And they're like, and he's like, come and see, come and follow me. That's a pretty, that's a pretty extreme commitment just right there, but he doesn't stop there. Time goes by, and for the next three and a half years, Jesus keeps raising the commitment knob, the commitment bar. Uh, one thing he says to them is, if you're my disciple, you got to love other people. I'm out of here. 
Now, they, most of them don't do that, but when you read in the story, you got to love others. you got to even love your enemy. But some of his followers are like, i got to love Samaritans, and i got to love tax collectors, and i gotta, I got to love parking lot law enforcement, you know, or, or whatever, the people that really drive you. And he's like, yep. And, and then he, he takes it another step further. He goes, if you want to follow me, he raises the bar even higher, you got to take up the cross deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. And they're like, whoa, and some of them just leave then, but he keeps raising the bar, and then he gets even higher. Now imagine if you've been following someone, or you belong to a church, and they said something like this, if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Who wants to sign up? <laughs> And we're told this, here's what the text says. Many people turned away from him and no longer followed him because what he said seemed too hard. And Jesus turns and he looks at his 12 disciples and he goes, are you guys leaving too? And Peter says, what are we going to go, Lord? Where are we going to go, Lord? You got the words of life. You're God. Why would we ever leave you? So one thing we want to do, especially today, is be very, very, uh, very, very practical. And so we have tools. We have tools in order to help you grow in these areas. And Paul writes this in Ephesians 4. If you ever want a good passage to read, to memorize, he says this. Our tools are ready at hand for the clearing the ground and building lives of obedience into maturity until finally we all believe and become full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled full with Christ. So a couple tools we got. To start with, starting next week, your bulletins will have tear-off strips, and there'll be commitment cards. So every week from here on out, you'll be able to open up your bulletin. There'd be a tear-off card there, not just for newcomers, but for anyone. Like, I want to grow in this area. I, I want someone to talk to me about this. I'm looking for a coach in this area. I, I, I want this kind of tool. I want to take this next step in serving. But that's one, one, one tool we want to give you. Another one's this. Those of you who have bulletin and bulletins and sermon inserts, most churches, you'll notice, are getting away from sermon inserts. I don't know if you realize that, because most people do everything digitally or online. We're never going to stop doing sermon note inserts. Do you know? Do you, but let me tell you why. And it's not to pander to the older crowd. It's actually to pander to people who are second, third, and fourth um, English is their second, third, and fourth language. Because I know for many of you, you take those sermon notes and you sit down with that friend, that person here even who's having trouble keeping up with my speed of English, and you sit down and you unpack those notes with them and talk through them, because English is like their fourth language for some of you here, I know, and talk through, hey, here's what we were talking about. Here's why he bit into that tomato. And, and you unpack those things with them, and that's invaluable. Another reason we do it, too, is because you forget 95% of what you hear on Sundays within 48 hours. Not Ray, but every, everyone else here does. So that's just, you know, brilliant mind. But for the rest of us, we need all the help we can get. And the third thing is, we've done this 11-week series on commitment. And I know one or two of you may have missed a week or two. I know it's hard to believe, but you might have missed a week or two. But what we're going to do is we've taken these 11 weeks and we've condensed it down to a workbook. And we're going to be offering what's called a Rich View DNA. 
um, on Sundays um, before or after the service where you can come and you can learn about what it means to be um, committed to maturity, to ministry, to serving, and you're going to be able to go back and learn what it means to be, uh, and to, to be more like Jesus. So let me go on to the second one here. Here's the sec- second spiritual law. second spiritual law is this. Spiritual growth is incremental. Incremental. Spiritual growth is incremental. So what's important here is that every one of us, we need to understand that we need a pathway, we need a trail, we need a track, we need a systematic plan in order to grow. So if anyone here is like, you know what, I'm planning on going on a diet on January 1st. Anyone ever done that? Yeah, yeah, I do it every year. I'm going to go on a diet. It really helps to have a diet plan. Would you agree? I mean, you don't, you don't have to. You can plan, but it's probably not going to go as well. And, and, and there's plans, lots of diet plans out there, aren't there? Because all of us like having our own type of plan, our own type of way, because we're all a little bit different. Um, and it works a whole lot better when you, when you have some kind of goal with your plan. I want to get, say, to this weight, or I want to be able to do this kind of activity. And it's just like that with spiritual growth. You've got to have a you got to have a systematic, sequential process that's all about knowing Christ, loving Christ, growing in Christ, serving like Christ, and sharing like Christ. And so, one thing we've done here, and I talked about this two months ago, but I can't stop talking about it enough because it's so important we review this and that you, you get this, is we have a three-step systematic process we're introducing come 2018. Not that we're not already doing this, but we want to be very, very clear so everyone's aware of this, is we kind of look like our, our process is set up like you would set up part of your house if you were having a guest over. So if you have a guest over to your house, what's the very first thing they experience when they come to your door? Your foyer, correct? So if you were to imagine you're having a guest over, Sunday morning, we want to turn and make Sunday morning like the foyer experience in your house. And when someone first walks in the door of your house, what do you do with them? Get your shoes off. No, um, <laughs> I take their jacket and look in their jacket pockets for mon- money, but I don't know what you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, why did I say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's not true. That's not true. No one of you are ever going to come over. Uh, but we, we, when the guest comes to the house, we go, here's where the bathroom is. Hey, let me give you a quick tour. We make them feel welcomed. But the very first thing we don't do when they come right in the house is, hey, can I, uh, can I see your bank statements? Or, hey, let's talk about, let's talk about your interac- internet activity over the last six months. Or, no, we don't, we don't go there, do we? We want to make our guests feel welcome, comfortable. And so Sunday mornings, the our movement is we want to make everyone who walks in here to understand, to know where to go, to even have a comprehension of why are people standing? Why are we singing songs publicly? Why are we clapping our hands? Why is that other person over there waving their hands in the air? Why is that person sitting down? Why is everyone bowing their heads? Do you understand all the weird stuff we do here? Especially if you're a guest coming in? And if you had someone over to your house and you started doing all that stuff without explaining to them, they'd be like, this is the most bizarre house I've ever been in in my life, and I'm never coming back. (laughs) And you may not think some of the stuff we do here is bizarre. It is if you've never been exposed to it. 
Second step is, and often churches, their Sunday morning experience, it's geared for who? Everybody but the guest. Anyhow, step two is, we want to see people um, take that next step to get into short-term groups. We know a lot of you have busy lives. It's hard to commit to a long-term group, but we offer a lot of short-term groups here. We do something called Alpha here on Thursday nights. It's about a 12-week session that you can commit. Um, another thing we're going to be offering in, in January, starting point, which is another short-term eight-week group where you can get to know a bunch of people, but also get to learn a little bit about Christianity. But, but most importantly, ask good, hard questions where somebody just doesn't take their Bible and smack you across the head with it, but lovingly, just like if, you're, if we looked at number two, if we were to give it a place in the house, it's the living room. So we want to move people from the foyer to the living room. Because if you're having friends over, where do you take them in the house? Somewhere that's comfortable, right? Hey, have a sit in the sofa. Can I get you a drink? Let's chat. Let's shoot the breeze. Let's talk. And then finally, our next step in that sequential sequential process, we want to get people into long-term relationships. We want to see everybody known, everybody cared for, everybody being challenged uh, and accountability, growing together, learning and, and sharpening one another. And we see that happening best in community groups. So here's my question for you. What part of the house do you let people go in that you, outside of your immediate spouse or partner, what part of the house would you allow someone who you really trust to go into? Kitchen. The kitchen. And you would let them do what in the kitchen if you really trust them? Help prepare food. And then what do you do with that food? Sit down at the kitchen table and eat it. Are we tracking? So, so number three would be if there's a part in the, pl in the if you're looking at, uh, at moving people, we want to get everybody into the kitchen and everybody to the kitchen table. We want to get all of us cooking together. Not literally, maybe some of you, if you can cook, but, but more so, we want to get everybody serving together, getting to know. We think people grow best. We talked about this last week, when they're serving. And so we want to move everybody. If you're not in the kitchen yet here at Richview, we want to move you into that experience where you're serving, where you're known, where you're in a community group, where you're being loved, where people know your names. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make sense? You don't have to like it. It just, does that make sense? No, one person said it, so I've done my job. Let's keep going here. All right. Third law. Third law of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is personal. Pers spiritual growth is personal. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. Can you do something for me? If you haven't already, can you close your eyes? I won't go through your wallets, don't worry. But if you close your eyes, I, uh, think about this statement. I want you to finish this statement for me, and if you're brave enough, just yell it out. God is. Keep going. Thank you, that's great. You can open your eyes if you want to. If you're more comfortable with them closed, that's fine too. Most of you said very abstract things. That tends to be what Canadians do when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God. God is omnipotent. God is love. 
but a few of you, you tapped into what I would say is more how Eastern people think. God is a rock. God is a father. The scriptures describe God, check this out. This always makes people uncomfortable. That's why I like saying it. God is a nursing mother. The psalmist records that. And, and, and these pictures. Uh, and, and so which way is better? Saying that God is powerful, God is strong, or God is a rock, and God is a father, and God is a nursing mother. Which, which way is better? Aren't they both good? Would you agree? And so often, when it comes to spiritual growth, we think it, there's just one, one size fits all, but that's not the case. We don't all grow spiritually the same way. Some of us learn best through listening. Some of us learn best through just doing something. Some of us look, learn best by just visually seeing something. And, and so uh, your growth has to be customized to you. You have to think through, how am I best going to grow? It might be hearing things, it might be seeing things, it might be just going and doing something. This week in, in your community groups, if you're in a community group, we're doing these spiritual health assessments. And it's just like that verse says, examine yourselves to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. This is something we always want to be doing here. It's saying, how are we doing spiritually? Are we growing? Where are we at? And it's asking those kind of questions and being really intentional about that. All right, fourth one. How are we doing? We're doing all right. Spiritual growth is practical. Spiritual growth is practical. And your, your character is the sum total of your habits. So in order, if, when it comes to spiritual growth, it's really about developing good habits. We've talked about this over the course of this series. We've talked about uh, what a Bible study looks like, what it looks like to pray, uh, what it looks like to tithe, to give, um, what it looks like to serve, what it looks like to journal, to listen, to, to fast. We've been talking about those things. And if you're like, man, I, I'm, some of that stuff's fuzzy in my head, or I kind of forget that, that's something we're going to be re reiterating again in that Richview DNA class we do next year. So, but once again, spiritual growth is practical. There's tools we can follow. Fifth one's this. We've got three to go. Spiritual growth is relational. Spiritual growth is relational. And I can't say, I think I say this at least once a week, but we grow only in community with others. We grow only in community with others. And this is one of the most misunderstood things amongst Christians. It's like, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anyone else. I'm fine. You can't grow without the church. You can't do it. You can get all this head knowledge from listening to Joel Olstein and John MacArthur and Charles Price. You can get all sorts of head knowledge from these great speakers. You can listen to radio programs on the radio or on podcasts all day long, but that's not growth. The writer of Hebrews says this, Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. And here's the deal. Here's why you can't grow by yourself. Because it's all about love. It's all about love. So here's, here's a couple tools here when it comes to this area. Get in a community group. If you're not in a community group, start one. Really easy. We've made it really easy even to facilitate community groups. They're all video-based. 
You can do it in your house. You can invite over people at your time. But that's, that's one area in order to start. There's also ones you can get involved with and sign up for. The second one's this. And this might be a bit new to you, but you need to get a spiritual coach. You need to get a spiritual mentor. You need to find, I had my BFF growing up, but you need to find someone. And you can't have her. She's mine. But you need to find somebody who you can go to and just talk with about spiritual things and grow with and be challenged and for them to poke you. And here's the third one. You need to be a spiritual coach. So if you've been a Christian for two weeks now, that's long enough. You just need to find someone who's a week behind you and you can mentor them. You just got, you really, you just have to be one day ahead because like really, Really, what I'm teaching right now, I just prepared this morning. So, so there you go. I'm teaching it to you now. You've learned it. Now you can teach people tomorrow. Away you go, right? You got to pass it on to someone else. And why is that so important that we're mentoring other people? We're being spiritual coaches to other people? Because who grows the most when you're coaching? The teacher, the coach. And if you really want to catalyze your spiritual growth as well, be a community group leader, the host. They get the most benefit. They get, they get almost all, because they're the ones who are dishing it out. They're the one who's growing the most. So get in a community group, be a spiritual coach, and, and, um, and get a spiritual coast. If you're feeling like you're stagnant in your Christian life, and you're not growing, you feel like you're like in this holding pattern, and you're stalled, or it's like, you know what? I don't, I don't feel as close to God as I used to feel. Or ch church, church is just not the same way it used to be. The church has not changed. You have. You have. You did. And the last thing you need to do to get out of being stagnant is to get into another Bible study. What you need to do is do some output instead of input. What you need to, what causes stagnation? It's, it's taking stuff in and not giving it back out. Are you all familiar with the Dead Sea in Israel? Lowest point of the earth. The Dead Sea, I don't know if you know, but it is completely, um, it's, before long, it's going to be completely empty. I'm not sure if you're following any of this. Very interesting studies we're talking about in community group this week, but it gets all this water poured into it, but it doesn't feed anywhere else water and what's happening is the water levels are dropping 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 to like such a low rate and if someone they actually have to fill it with water now even more so to keep it from completely completely empty but that's what stagnation is i love what the writer of hebrews says i don't know if i put it up here or not maybe not i got it here uh hebrews chapter five he says this by this time you ought to be teachers let me say that again by this time, you ought to be teachers. And, he, and he's so frustrated. It's like, if you've known Jesus for two weeks, that's long enough to be a teacher. Just find a bunch of people who've only known him for one week and, and, and get busy. But I don't, and we're like, I don't know enough. You just need to be one day ahead, even one minute ahead. Got a couple left to go here. I hope you're still with me. Sixth law, spiritual growth is multidimensional. Ooh, that sounds really, really um, over the top. But spiritual growth is multidimensional. And what I mean by that is you need more than just a, a community group. You need to be in some kind of worship experience. You need to be in some kind of a, just a ministry experience. You've got to have all those areas. 
If church to you, if, if spiritual growth to you is just showing up on Sunday morning for a classroom experience and then leaving, then that's what it is. Just a classroom. We're going to grow warmer through caring, hospitality, deeper through obedience in God's word, stronger through worship, broader through serving, and larger through mission. I, uh, one of my goals this year is I had a push-up um, I had a push-up goal I wanted to achieve in 2017. I won't tell you how many my goal was, but I wanted to do a certain amount of push-ups by the end of 2018. I'm pretty much tracking on my goal, but around June, I hit an impasse. I could not get over a certain amount of push-ups, and I didn't know what to do. I, I, I was just, I would sit down, and I would just do push-ups, and I'd just jump down and do them, and I, and, and I tried different things. It wasn't working. Nothing I could do. I would try like push-ups close, wide, whatever. I could not get past that threshold. And I sat down with a trainer. And what she said was, you actually have to work other parts of the body if you want to increase your, the amount you can do. So they had me doing all sorts of like other body parts and muscle groups that I didn't even know existed. I don't think they still exist on me. Uh, but I started doing all these things. And before long, even though I thought some of these exercises were so silly, I started pushing through my, my threshold, and I had no idea if I worked that muscle and that muscle, it would increase my, my push-up limit. And, and, and the challenge there, and the challenge I think for all of us, is that we've got to, in order to grow spiritually, we've got to focus on the wide range of exercises in order to grow, in order to pass through thresholds. Two left. You're doing well. You're also quiet today. Uh, spiritual growth is seasonal. Maybe this is why. Right now it feels, it's feeling like winter now, and you're all just quiet and tired and hibernating. But we understand this even here at Richview. Spiritual growth is seasonal. So we even, as we program here, we even, with teaching series, we do certain teaching series even at different times of the year because we know there's even lulls culturally and even as a church where it's not good to do certain types of talks. So um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a Christmas Advent series because kind of that lead up to um, wanting to get these giant, huge visa bills and, and all those other things. And we want to address that before you spend all that money. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but in that lead up to Christmas, we want to prepare to have this incredible time of the year. Another one we're going to do is um, starting January 7th, we're doing something called the Daniel Plan. And it's going to be six weeks focused on fitness, food, friends, faith, and focus. Thank you. Um, and how those five Fs are all interconnected. And one of the reasons we're strategically picked that time of the year is what do most people do right after New Year's Eve? Make some kind of New Year's resolution. And it's not necessarily on diet. It could be on getting in shape. It could be on just... I just need to be more focused this year, or I need to spend more time with my friends or family. And so this whole series is going to show how all those things are interconnected. And when we, when we really develop those habits, all areas of our life are blessed. So that's just another one of those understanding that spiritual growth is seasonal. And the last one, and as I go to the last one, I want to invite the band up as they close us today. But here's the last one here. Uh, spiritual growth is incarnational. And Paul writes this to the Church of Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
The life I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And the goal of the Christian life is not to live like Jesus. It's, and it's not trying to be like Jesus. It's letting Jesus live inside of you. The goal is, and the secret of the Christian life is not imitation. Because you can't, and I can't either. But it's living, letting him inhabit and live within me. And when you get that, when you realize it's just about letting Jesus inhabit me, then we can relax. We can say, Jesus, today, help me love people more. Jesus, today, help me to be more like you and how I treat that person and how I talk and how I tell the truth. Help me to keep my commitments. Help me to trust more. Jesus, live in me. Nothing I talked about today, and I know it was a lot of stuff, but nothing I talked about today can you do on your own power. It's God who works in you because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, says this, Christ carried our sins in his body on that cross so that free from our sins, we could live a life that has God's approval. His wounds have healed you. My greatest wish, my prayer, is that all of us become more mature, committed Christians. Bless God. stand when we sing that verse again.
Thank you for coming today. Bless you this week. Hope to see you back next week as we start Advent. Yes, it's that time of the year. May God go with you in his grace and in his mercy. Have a great week.